this week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. So those of you that are seeing, I got five fingers. Right. Five fingers I'm holding up right now. I'm holding up my hand. And my dad would always say, each one of them is different. Mm. Each one of them is different, but together they work. And Uh, one in isolation can't do the work of all five. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. I know, I know, I know. But rather than talk about their wins or their successes, we talk about their failures, more specifically, the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So with that being said, uh, my guest today has had quite the career path from being at companies like AOL, Yahoo, then becoming the head of agency development at Twitter, Canada to be specific, to now being the head of Spotify Canada. He's also on the board of directors for IAB Canada, and he's also a professor who teaches advertising at Humber College here in Toronto. So without further ado, Ivan Payar, welcome to the podcast. Corey, thanks for having me on. Um, I don't know if my my LinkedIn comment, you know, a few months ago was the genesis behind getting me on, but I've enjoyed listening to to your conversations with your other guests you've had. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not a problem, Ivan. Now, before we jump into these questions, I always like to ask my guest about where their inspiration comes from. So what inspired you to get into advertising? Like, where did that where did that come from? How did that start? So, so Corey, this is something that I get asked quite a bit. And, I, you know, as a kid, I remember watching TV and listening to the radio and and being fascinated with with the ads that you'd see in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd sit back and look at, you know, I vividly remember the ads for Fruit Loops. Right. And thinking like, why do I want to buy this? Is it the toy in the box? Is <laughs> it... The animation is a you know the colorful box and all that and something really early on that I just kind of gravitated towards being interested in, right. and I think as, as we talk you know have the conversation today that interest or passion I think is something that is hugely important and you know growing up you know my dad would always say like hey I want you to get into a trade or I want you to do something here and I said well, I'm not passionate about that right so I'd say really from those formative years you know, being interested in, in advertising and seeing ads around and on the radio and out of home and newspaper ads, it's something that, you know, as a young kid, not many of my friends were looking at it that way. Right. So I think that was really, you know, that fire inside right. that, that had me interested in, in advertising from really early age. You know what, your story, um, I see parallels between where your inspo came from and mine. So for me, in high school, there was a class called, um, I think it was called like uh, media communications or something like that. You learned about how to make short videos. You messed around with um, a lot of these software programs, Photoshop being one of them. Um, and that's kind of where I got the idea that I knew I wanted to be in television and radio. At what capacity at that point, wasn't 100% sure. Then I saw the movie Jerry Maguire. And yes, I know he's in sports marketing, but I was like, if I can pitch and present in media, I think that would be kind of like the perfect mix for me. And similar to your father, when he was saying, hey, you should do a trade. I remember my guidance counselor pushing me into trades as well. I was like, dude, I'm not even good with my hands. Like, this is what I need to be doing. So very kind of similar inspo uh, there. So thank you for sharing your story there. Yeah, no, Corey, it's interesting, right? You have to to be passionate about Hmm. something. Right. And you, you know what my, my gut check is? What's is that? You know, anyone who's listening, how do you feel on Sunday night at probably eight or nine o'clock at <laughs> night? The litmus test, of course. Right. right. That, that is the test. Right. And, and I'm super fortunate that, you know, every Sunday night, I'm excited for Monday. Right. You bring on the challenges. And you don't have a case of the Mondays. Absolutely. I like, I love that test. Okay, so um, getting into question number one. So Ivan, as as a person who's been in multiple 
leadership positions from Twitter to now Spotify. What was the biggest mistake you ever made and what did you do to get over it and ultimately make it right? Yeah. So, so Corey, I'm going to, I'm going to share a story with you mm-hmm. and I'm going to drop two names. Okay. <laughs> Michael, Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to leave those, I'm going to leave those two names there. Okay. okay, and we'll circle back to to why I dropped those two names, right? So Michael yeah. Jordan and Wayne Gretzky. So if I think about my biggest mistakes that I've made in in leadership and just overall in my career, is that when I moved into leadership, you know, my boss at the time said, "I need you to inspire people. I need you to, you know, share your knowledge with others." And I took that as, well, if you're a good individual contributor, you'll just be a great leader. Mm. And and being a great leader means basically having everyone else on the team replicate or do the same process and approach that I would take. So what was my biggest mistake? Well, it was trying to create 20 people to operate the same way that I did as Mm. an individual contributor. My process, how I would respond to clients, negotiation, presentation skills. I basically try to replicate 20 people Mm. to operate the same way that I did. Because guess what? If that made me successful, Mm -hmm. then I clearly have the playbook to make everyone else successful. Right. And and when I, you know, called out Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky, you know, they were, you know, they were the goats, Mm. right? In their respective sports. Well, you know what they both did? They both went into coaching mm-hmm. and they weren't successful. Mm. Fair point. And and why weren't they successful? Well, you know, we all have this ideology that, well, if you're successful doing one role, right. we can just up-level you into another. Right. You're going to be successful and, and do all that. Right. And, and that really was my biggest challenge when I started into leadership. Right. Is just trying to replicate myself. Right. And you can imagine the number of pitfalls, right, and challenges that would happen because, you know, amongst all of the podcasts, books, mm-hmm. um, you know, speakers that all have their different ways to educate individuals of like, here's the things that you should take and operate if you're in sales or meeting with clients or presenting. And who was I to think that I had the the master playbook? Mm-hmm. So, you know, to answer the second part of the question, so knowing, and it took me, Corey, probably the better part of almost a year Mm. to realize like, hey, I had to be humble here. Right. And and I had to trust. And I would always tell the team, you know, when I look back to to that time is, you know, during any larger conversation, you know, events with other, you know, partners is that if everyone took just one thing away. Right. And you might talk about four or five different strategies and approaches, but everyone's going to craft it their own way, right? right? They're going to interpret, you know, different strategies and approaches. So I think inherently it was trusting everyone that, you know, we're all adults, right? We can all continue to fine tune, right? Fine tuning someone's skills is vastly different than trying to overhaul their entire process. Great. And it comes from a place of trust. And I think it was extremely difficult for me right. to trust individuals because I came from a place where, in my own mind, this is what made me successful. So if everyone else replicates that, we'll be successful as an organization, as a team. Right, right. No, I, I love that example and that story. And it kind of reminds me of, and for the listeners, I should mention that Ivan's also my boss, right? And so... There's some connection here. And uh, I remember we had one of these, um, I guess, uh, I don't know if it was like a mentorship program where we had the executive coaches. That's probably a better way to describe it. And one of them was was doing a talk and said, how many ways can you add to the number 10? And we're like, you know, five plus five, six plus four, seven plus three, eight plus two. And her And her reason for giving that example was, to share that there's multiple ways of achieving success. So I think about your example where you're saying, where you figured out everyone doesn't have to operate exactly the way that I operate. They can find their own unique way to have success as long as it's working for them. So I think about that, that particular moment that happened at Spotify. 
So Corey, I'll add something here and you'll probably hear me mention my father, um, who has been, you know, my mentor and, you know, I'm here today because of all of his work and trust and belief in me, but he says this all the time. Right. So those of you that are seeing, I got five fingers, right? five fingers I'm holding up right now, I'm holding up my hand. And my dad would always say, each one of them is different. Mm. Each one of them is different, but together they work. And Uh, one in isolation can't do the work of all five. Right. And I think, you know, as a kid, you hear these stories and you're like, well, that makes no sense to me until you're older and you realize a team of 10, 20, 100 and organizations of thousands, everyone is different, but different in their own way. But as a as a collective, right, right, right. We, we bring all those differences together that makes us stronger and no, identifying absolutely. what those differences are. So there's a little shout out to uh, to my dad here on. <laughs> one of those stories that at the time doesn't really make sense. Right, right. I feel like it's always like that when you're growing up. The the stuff that your your parents or your elders try to instill in you at those ages probably doesn't stick that well. But when you get older, you just kind of remember that. Uh, so no, that was great. And I got to meet Mr. Father Pehar at some point because you often uh, coach your dad, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I do. It's you know, the things that he does, right. You know, walking 10 kilometers every day and, and being active and, you know, it's the mindset and I'm sure we're going to, we're going to touch on that as well. Right. Yeah. But Absolutely. You know, age is a number, but it's all about <laughs> mindset and, and how you feel. 1000%. Um, so moving on to question number two. So speaking of leadership, Ivan, what are a few things you've seen other leaders get wrong? In other words, what are some common mistakes leaders of companies, divisions, or certain de- departments make? So, you know, I've experienced this a few times in hmm. my career. And, and when you think about, you know, leadership, there's two inherent things, right, that, that you'll look at. And, and one is data, right, to inform. And the other one is your own intuition. Right. And, and there's a fine balance between, you know, the data and, and your own intuition of what you think is right. Mm. And, and I've seen numerous times, you know, over, over my career where, where leaders will just rely on the data, right? We all talk about it's an art and science, right? right. It's, a, you know, it's a balance of two. But right. many will, and I've experienced this, where they just re- rely 100% on data mm-hmm. to inform the decision. And you basically throw out everything else, right? All the context around it. Right. And, and and that challenge, right? Just leading with data, yes, is important, but it has to be balanced with the context mm-hmm. of everything and making just rash decisions. And, and I always challenge individuals to say, well, what would you do if I didn't give you the data? Mm. What does your gut say? Mm. Right. What, how do you feel about a certain decision? Does it feel like the right decision? And I would challenge, you know, many leaders to say, well, if I didn't have the data, what does my gut say? And does the data then help me inform my decision right? versus leading with the data and then not having enough context around it? And and this is everything from, you know, structuring a team. What are your bets for for the upcoming year? Mm -hmm. And being being able to balance both of those elements, right? Because that's really difficult. Right. Many leaders would just rely on data and say, well, hey, listen, the data informs me and says this. Right. And and many won't argue with you when you lead just with data, but right. to not have the context around it. Right. I say that that's one you know thing that I've seen many you know leaders sort of fall down on because they don't want to take the initiative. And you know, it's easier to just rely on the data. Right. Um, right. So if that's sort of you know part one of you know some of the challenges, and then the other part is, you know, as leaders, when you get to a certain level, right, mm-hmm. whatever that that title is, managing a team, an organization, a company, is that at times you lose touch with the reality of what happens from a day-to-day perspective with the team. Mm-hmm. And, and how does someone who just started, you know, great example here, right? Someone starts during COVID, mm-hmm. virtual onboarding, to be able to reach out to the individuals and say, how are you feeling, right? This is difficult. Right. And, and not just say, hey, well, you know, I expect you to be productive after X number of months because that's, you know, how we model things internally. 
right. and and to have that human element and, and never lose touch right. with the realities of the entire team. Right. And you know how we've seen leaders sit in their corner office <laughs> and never come out, only come out to grab a coffee and go back into that corner office. And and I've been fortunate that, you know, many of the leaders I've worked with, there is no corner office. Mm. And you're part of the team, the organization sitting on the same floor. Mm. And that's why I love those open concept offices, because guess what? You're part of the team. You hear what's happening on the ground. Right. Versus right. just being stuck in an office. No, I, and I, I love that. And that's one of the things I, I personally noticed about um, your leadership style is that one, um, you're accessible. And even if I wasn't at Spotify, I see how you respond with uh, your students. You're also accessible to them even after they've graduated from your course. And I think that's something that I think is unique, at least in my career path. I'm used to, as you were just describing, you know, that person that sits in their corner office only comes out, you know, lunch, you know, that sort of thing. So that's one thing I definitely do appreciate about the leadership style is that you, even though there's a distinction there in title and responsibility, um, you don't lead with that. You're kind of with us in the trenches, so to speak. Yeah, I would say, Corey, my my role is to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. Is to serve the team is, you know, to to block and tackle and, and break down barriers for the team to make everyone's right. job a little easier. And, you know, in one of my previous organizations, you'd hear me running around the office, you know, telling individuals, I work for you. Yeah. I work for you. Yeah. Yeah. You said that many times. And, to me. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, people get taken back by like, what do you mean you work for me? Like, I, I don't understand. Right. right. And, you know, in, you know, on the topic of, of service and, and being in service of, of others, you know, you mentioned, you know, education and, and you know, something I do on the side that I yeah. thoroughly enjoy. And on the topic of service is, you know, as you probably do as well, you have many people reach out to you over the course of the week on LinkedIn saying, hey, we'd love to pick your brain. How'd you get to where you are today? Your career path is exciting. And, and I'll make it a point to spend you know, probably two to three half hour sessions. So call it an hour a week. Mm-hmm. to just have conversations with individuals who reach out on LinkedIn. Right. And that could be former students that are, you know, at a, at a crossroads. And what do I do here? I got, you know, maybe I've been in a certain role for three years. Right. How do I make a change? Or, right. or just someone randomly who is on LinkedIn and says, hey, would you have, you know, time for 15 minutes? And you know, I got an hour commute both ways in and out of the office. So gives me a lot of time to to multitask and and just spare some of my time when I'm sitting in the car. You know, some might think of that as a one-way conversation, right. but I take something out of all of those conversations. Absolutely. Everyone has a story. Absolutely. Everyone has a story. And how do I take one thing from that story or that conversation to make me a better human being? Absolutely. Um, you know, what's so interesting about that, because to your point, people do reach out. You know, a lot of it, of course, has to do with the green shield that's next to my name. But um, one of the things I started focusing on even before coming to Spotify is putting an emphasis on my professional relationships and personal ones as well, because um, I understand that like when you have solid relationships with folks, those are usually how the best opportunities come or come through. And I feel personally that people don't invest enough time in giving people their time and specifically reaching out to people, not when you need something, just because, hey, I just want to check in on you. And so yesterday I did the exact same thing you're just talking about. Someone I had met at a uh, conference just wanted to pick my brain and don't really know the person, just met them there. And I gave them 30 minutes of her time. And like you said, I also learned something from them as well. So uh, I definitely uh, agree with you on that point. Corey, can I go back to something you just said? Yeah, go ahead. And you and you said, not when I needed something. I had a conversation, not when I needed something. And that is probably, it is 
one of the most impactful ways when you think about building your own brand, your own personal brand of right. being that individual who just reaches out to someone, maybe as former coworkers, just mm -hmm. to see how they're doing. You know, a lot of challenges in the tech space now, and just to reach out to a few individuals and say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about you. Yeah, I think that is some of the most powerful connections yeah. Because, you know, when you need something, mm -hmm. right, when you need something, why is that person going to respond and Absolutely. say yes to you or make time for you? Right. Why? Because you make time for them. Right. And, you know, there'll be many books and podcasts you can read and listen to. And but there's some fundamental things right. that anyone can do. It doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter where you grew up. Yeah. That if you just embrace yeah, can pay dividends, you know, years down the road. One thousand percent. Now, as a follow up to that, Ivan, you know, when we're talking about mistakes that other leaders have made in terms of feedback, what do you think was uh, the most impactful piece of feedback that you've ever received as a leader? So. I'll go back to. You know, probably just before I started at Spotify, mm -hmm. and you know, some of the feedback as Canadians, I think just inherently, people don't like hearing feedback, right? We take it as a negative, right? We we take it as a negative, mm -hmm. and and I had someone say to me, "You're just overly positive. You're, <laughs> you're positive when you shouldn't be." Really? Okay. And, and I said, "Well, but that's how I feel." Right. I mean. I try not to to read headlines and you know everyone's all gloomy and you know because they've read something and a report came out or an earnings call came out and it wasn't positive right. and, and the stock was tanking and and that and and I said, well, I feel positive because I'm thinking about the long game here. Mm. And I said, and I responded with, well, I'm extremely positive, but in this light, if anyone who's listening plays chess. Right. Okay. You know, when you make that move in chess, right, mm -hmm. that first move you make in chess, mm -hmm. you're making that move because you're planning and you've planned for the next five. Right. Versus living in the moment, only thinking or looking down at your shoes right. versus looking out into the horizon. Right. And I said, well, although things might seem difficult today, and I acknowledge that, mm -hmm. I said, but. I'm focused on the long term mm -hmm. and, and I believe in the vision and that. So, you know, as anyone would say to you, when you start in your career, it's never a straight line from A to B. Absolutely not. There's ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can't just look at the downs and be negative and it's important to acknowledge it. Right. And anyone who knows me, Heck, you know, some would say glass is half full. I'm like, glass is three quarters full all the mm. time. Because mm. I see what the future is and the path to get to that. Right. Versus just looking short term and, and buying into, you know, reading headlines and some of the negativity that is out. And, and I'm not here to, to say, don't read them. Right. Acknowledge it. But the last thing you can do is dwell on something for far too long. Right. No, I to, to move on. So, you know, some might be scratching their head saying, why would someone give you feedback that you're being too positive? Mm -hmm. it, it, it would probably be the reversal, like you're being too negative here. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, there is a balance of, of not everything is always hunky-dory, firing at 110%, but it's acknowledging that, you know, we live in these ups and downs and, and never too high, never too low but always thinking long-term, right? Thinking about, you know, the future, the strategy, what can I do as, as part of it? Right. And it's interesting because, you know, how you're describing, you used the word mindset earlier. And I have a friend that went to uh, Ryerson, or sorry, TMU, apologies, because <laughs> I'll be called out on that really quickly. Um, and she was describing the type of mindset that where people start to internalize failure and that's having a pessimistic mindset versus um, optimistic mindset. And so when I hear you talk about people telling you that, you know, 
uh, you're too you're too positive. I just think of that as you having an optimistic mindset rather. And the last thing I'll, I'll kind of mention is that you know you're talking about the glass half full, half empty. It reminds me of one of the mantras I came up with during the pandemic, and I've heard you say your mantra uh, this one many times, where you say, "Only focus on what you can control." I have one where it says, uh, "Recognize the problem." focus on the solution. So to your point, I'm not um, not pretending like there's not an issue there. I know that it exists. I'm just going to use all my energy to find a solution or to, you know, put that solution into place. So that mindset, I, I love to have that that mindset as well. And, and Corey, that mindset, right? As you, I love how you just described it yeah. is applicable to life in general, right? We're, you know, we're talking about leadership and, and teams and right you know, businesses and that, but that mindset's applicable to everything that you do, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's, hey, we're, we're turning the the calendar soon into next year and we know what happens in January and everyone's going to go to the gym and, and change their mindset and all that. That's difficult. Uh, absolutely. And for the people that are trying to do the gym thing in January, here's a little cheat code for you. Start before January. It's a habit at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, um, that's something that's worked for me uh, in the past. Uh, so I've been moving on to question number three. You know, we're we're talking about mindsets, and and a lot of times when people hear people talk about just have a positive mindset or see the glasses half full versus how empty, uh, or, or excuse me, half empty, they're like, how though? How if I'm in the middle of it, how do I do that? So with that being said, how does Ivan Payhar deal with failure or a bad day? And what do you say to yourself if anything? And do you have a routine to help you through those those difficult moments? Yeah. So, Corey, thanks for that. No one is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I'm going to say something and I'm going to be like, yes, yes, we get it. Right. We learn from failure. We mm-hmm. unpack failure. Why did it happen? How did I contribute to it? What could I have done different? All the things that, that many of us have, have heard. And, you know, what, what I've really embraced is, you know, as you said, it control what, you know, focus on what you can control right? As, as, as part one. But, you know, when I mentioned, you know, how, so when I respond to how do I control failure? How do I embrace failure? Is that over the last few years, Mm. I've really focused on not being too high when things are good, not being too low when things are bad, right? That, that even balance to the point where I even try, and I'm going to be a bit technical here, is I try and manage my own dopamine. Mm. And, and not that this is turning into a science conversation. Oh, here. I love it. Let's go there. And, and and how I do that, if I can just, one of my passions is running. And I've always played soccer my entire life. So just being yeah. active on my feet and something I always did, change mindset to longer distance running. And you have to remember this, right? So not everything you do, not every run you go for, is a personal best is mm. it's never a, a, the best 5k you ever ran right and and the feeling you get when you come back from that run mm. is you want to tap yourself on the back mm. right you're posting it on strava maybe you're posting it out on social media right. because you want others to acknowledge that right. you just did something great and what i started doing over the last three years is you know i'll come back from a 15k run call it mm-hmm. with a pretty good time. I'll sit at the front, take off my shoes, do my stretches, take a shower and move on with the rest of the day. Not even internalizing or acknowledging that I did something really good because Mm -hmm. it's just part of the habit. It is just part of the exercise and and trying to manage when do I want to inject some of that dopamine? Right. Because after a while, not everything is, is the best, right? right? It starts to lose its impact. Right. So if I if I take that approach and and tie it back to to the question you asked is, you know when when I'm having a bad day, I really keep it inside. Right, my bad day should not be everyone else's bad day. Right, it is a reflection of of my brand. And you know I might you know mention how it's not the best day, but we'll get through it. Tomorrow will be better. But really managing my own expectations of it's never really as bad as you think it is. Right. In that moment, it might feel like it is, but I'll find other ways to deal with it. So what, what will I do? 
exercise for me really mm -hmm. works. Um, again, that's the day that I'll give myself a bit of a dopamine hit and be like, yeah, that was really great. That was a good run you did. And, right. you know, but again, I'll always look back and, and unpack and just spend a few minutes thinking about where something went off the rails right. and what could I have done differently. Right. So really embracing that, that moment, but knowing that, yeah, it's going to happen again. Something is going to happen again, but now I'm prepared. Right. I'm prepared for when something is going to happen again, again, to that mindset. Right. Right. I, we practice, we do all these things to prepare for when the uncomfortable moment is going to happen. Right. And we've already experienced it. So then it'll make us, it'll allow us to deal with it even easier. No, I love that. Um, I could definitely relate to you on the running piece for me. For me, it's just exercising in general. Um, you know, I've been working out for quite some time now. And I remember when I, my early days at, at Rogers Media, I used to sit next to a lady that was pretty much like a, a professional, not, she wasn't a bodybuilder, but she competed on those like fitness competitions. And um, she used to say to me, these kind of like quirky kind of quotes, she's like, you know, bosses don't cancel. Like, she was so consistent and persistent in her regimen. And it got me thinking, how can I become like that in terms of consistency? And really for me, it was changing my purpose for working out. So my purpose wasn't to necessarily lose weight or gain six pack abs or anything like that. It was to feel good, right? And the byproduct of working out is not only do you feel good, but you start to look good after a while as well. Um, so I can definitely relate to you uh, in the sense of, you know, working out as a part of your routine to deal with those difficult moments. Uh, something else that I personally do is I have a music playlist. I call it like my, you know, get out of the funk playlist, or I have a get in the zone playlist that triggers me, right? And obviously us working for a music streaming company, there's enough data to support that music helps, you know, to change your mood, to uplift your uh, your mood as well. And one of the other things you said about, you know, let's be honest, not every day is going to be great. We're not perfect. I came across something on YouTube where this person mentioned something called the rule of thirds. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, uh, the rule of thirds before. Um, so I'll explain. And she says, and, and this person was a professional gymnast. She's like competed in two Olympics for the USA and she was telling her coach that I just feel crappy today, right? And I don't understand why. I'm doing everything correctly. I'm not able to celebrate my wins. And, she, and he said, that's okay. That's fine. Because as long as one third of the time you feel great, one third of the time you're just kind of in between, and one third of the time you're feeling crappy, that's perfectly normal. That is the process of progressing and achieving your goals. You're always going to have moments where you do not feel great about what you do for some reason uh, or or whatever. But Corey, it's embracing those, right? It, mm -hmm. You know, the, as you said, the first step is just knowing it's okay. Yeah. Right. We're not going to have the best day every single day. Right. Absolutely. And you know, if I could just circle back on mindset just for a second here. Yeah. And you know, something I really focus on is how do I make my mindset stronger? Right. Mm -hmm. How do I, you know as we sit here, you know, talking, you know, our brain and our mind is here to protect us. Right. Right. It's too cold. Put on a sweater. It's too cold. Don't go outside. Like it's, right. it's keeping us safe. Right. And what I try and do, you know, especially on those days where things haven't gone my way is to challenge my mindset. And, uh, you know, we're sitting here in Toronto, uh, you know, we're in the early dead of winter. Yeah. Nothing is more challenging to your mindset right. than sitting at the front of the stairs, staring at your <laughs> shoes with minus 20 wind chill outside and snow yeah, and not a soul outside. Right. And it's that mindset to lace them up, mm -hmm. to go out. And not just to go out. As you leave the door, knowing how you're going to feel when you come back. Right. That there, I think, if if I could just, you know, pause on that for a second, mm -hmm. right? That's how you take something when you're having an awful day. Right. 
to challenge your mind to get outside of your comfort zone right. and come back with something that you've accomplished. Yeah. Whatever, you know, was, was holding you back that day is literally gone. Oh, I absolutely love that. And it's so similar because, you know, I think of myself, I often tell this story to a lot of our colleagues. So back in San Diego at the offsite, I was telling people when I stood up and asked that question, um, I did that for a reason, right? Um, one, I saw no one from Canada asking for a question and I felt like there needed to be some representation. Two, um, in previous organizations, I've sometimes fell into the trap of knowing the answer, having a question, but not raising my hand. And that was once given to me as a feedback. Like, you're too invisible, right? You do good work, but you're too invisible. And so I made it a point that anywhere else I go next, I'm going to make myself visible. So I'm extremely deliberate about that. And as I stood up and I asked that question, what many people don't know is my back actually froze up on me. My nerves got so tight, but no one, I played it off cool. Like my, you would never know this if I didn't tell you that, but I did it. And to your point about the feeling afterwards, so many people from uh, all over our organization came up to me. Burner as well came up to me, had a chat with myself and Nana. And I was like, wow, this was the result of, you know, if we can use the word fair, this was the result of me getting over the fear, if I can use that word, of standing up and asking asking that question. Because, Corey, I bet your mind was telling you, sit down, don't do this. You're going to be scared. What if you fumble the question? Right. All the reasons why not to do something because it made you feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. And the same way that I walk in that door, minus 20 at the end of that run of how I feel, we probably felt the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another question I like to ask myself when I'm my mind is just feeding me these thoughts, these negative thoughts, if we can call it that, or non, non-productive thoughts is, I say to myself, what evidence do you have to support that this is true? And I ask myself that, and that just works for me. So hopefully that works for uh, for someone else uh, listening as well. Um, now going on to question four, I, I would be remiss if I, I didn't ask you this. Um, But what's your take on Elon Musk and what's happening at Twitter? Uh, What do you think Twitter needs to do to kind of, you know, turn things around? Yeah. So, Corey, let me first, um, if if the listeners here haven't checked out my LinkedIn profile, I spent almost seven years at Twitter here in Canada. Mm -hmm. And and I was part of the the group of four or five individuals back 2013, May 2013, that started the, the Toronto office. So, you know, when I think about, you know, my time at Twitter and, you know, what's going on now, you know, with, with Twitter, I've made some lifelong friends, right. friends that that I will be with for the rest of my life, right. friends that I, I chat about football and, and sports and, and business and that. And, and when I think back to, you know, now I've been gone for just over three years is I look back to, you know, the culture. I look back to the internal communication that when I was there, it was an open organization, right? Everything was, it was an open book. Everyone knew exactly the direction of the company, the priorities, mm-hmm. um, the culture, you know, being there and, and many outsiders would would look in and be like, wow, the culture is just really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that to, to where it is today, where there's a lot of secrecy, you know, from what I read um, online you know, lack of direction. Um, I really feel for for those that are still there, and some of my best friends that are that are still there. So, you know, what is it going to take for for Twitter to turn around? I think you know, as a platform, it's ingrained, right? Why are we even talking about Twitter today? Well, it's because it's important, mm-hmm. right? It's an important platform for the world, and I think as every platform continues to evolve and change. I think Twitter will continue to evolve and change both from a a product set, um, but I think fundamentally the core, you know, 240 characters, Mm -hmm. um, 280 characters, sorry, 280 characters, it's been three years, Uh, 280 character tweets, 
Yeah. Is that going to expand? Um, but but I just think it, it really is ingrained with how information is is disseminated, right? You know, and you can turn on any TV channel and see tweets on TV, and and that's so why I think the core of the platform is is still important. It's these other elements, right? Right, as we talked about, right, culture and, and product, and right. you know, just ensuring that you know, Twitter is the global town square. Mm-hmm. that it was and that it's not just a global town square for select individuals to speak correct rather having it open to the world right 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 no that's fair um i felt like if i didn't ask you that question i wouldn't be doing my my listeners uh service but i i have a i share the same sentiment uh as you when it comes to the fact that it is a, a cultural staple piece in in our society like i don't think it's going anywhere obviously the challenge of how do we make twitter profitable or uh, how do we create other revenue streams that um that are trending upwards i think obviously is is the difficult part for the organization now whether people think elon musk is the right person for the job or not time will tell um i personally don't like the way he uh shake things up so quickly um but then again, I'm not a billionaire that's created several successful companies. So we shall see. Well, what, what, what you see, Corey, you know, communication, messaging, and that, like, you know, as a result of this, you've seen other companies start up, right? There's a new one called Post, right. um, that, you know, as a, has found a niche now and relatively new based on some of the things happening at Twitter. Right. But again, as... You know, as a as a huge sports fan, I get off that plane. The first thing I check is Twitter to see what's going on with sports. Absolutely, no, I agree with you on that part. Uh, so, Ivan, my last question, two part question, as many of my questions are or have been uh, for today. Um, so, throughout your amazing career, what's the best lesson you believe you've learned thus far? I'd say Corey's probably being humble. Mm. It's remembering where I started. And that first job that I had in media and advertising, um, I get, you know, asked by students, people on LinkedIn, hey, how'd you get the job at Spotify? And my response is, I've been in training for 25 years to be in this role. And it doesn't happen because of what I did three months ago or three years ago. But it's, you know, taking every role an opportunity, embracing it, learning from that role, but ultimately being humble. Right. And and I'm still that same guy that started in in advertising and media almost 25 years ago. I'm still that same person. More responsibility, but my values are still the same. Right. My my trust in people and belief in people, right? right? Stay stay there, right? It's serving others, it's helping others. It's it's not about why it's good for me, but rather why it's good for the individual. Why, you know, seeing individuals grow in their career and, you know, privately to be able to look back and say like, yeah, I helped in- impact that individual, but never saying it publicly. It's not about me. Right. No, I love it's, that. It's never, it's never about me. It's, you know, you take those moments when, when you're by yourself in the car, walking to the train, out for a run. Right. And and just reflect back on on the week, the month, the year. And I'll do much of that. You know, we're almost at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit of time off. And I'll just reflect on on the year that was. And and I'll I'll scribble on my notepad, you know, some of the, the things I'm proud of. And the things that I'm proud of are generally other accomplishments that, you know, an individual has had, the team has had, a market team has had. Right. And I'll sit back and say, yeah, maybe I contributed 1% of this, but it was ultimately the the individual that did it. So again, staying humble, right? Just always being humble. Love that. Uh, so lastly, um, for the person that's listening right now that would like to be in a leadership position like yourself, if you could only give that person one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, so... I'm going to maybe close with something my dad always tells me is, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. 
Mm. Right? Listen twice as much as you talk. Mm. And, wow. and, you know, because when you've heard or when you listen to others and when you speak, it's far more impactful. Right. Right. You know, many leaders will want to, you know, stand on the podium and, and talk for hours. Right. About, you know, all the reasons why and this is what we should do. But, you know, sometimes less is more. Mm. And, and to listen to other perspectives and that. And, and many times as a leader, right, others look to you to have the answer. Right. And, and what I'm going to give everyone, you know, <laughs> here is, you know, the. I guess, you know, maybe the, maybe the word that, that I'm looking for is, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you permission mm -hmm. to say, you don't have the answer mm. because others will look to you and say, well, what do we do? Right. And rather than, you know, saying something that you might not think is right is let's talk about it. What right. do you think we should do? Let's let's talk about it together. How do we unpack something? How do we solve this problem? And, and I think you get even more value and respect as a leader when when you can be, you know, empathetic and compassionate and say, I don't know, but let's talk about it. Here's what I think. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm I have a certain title doesn't mean that my answer is always right, right. or my way is the right way. And and to talk it out. And I think that's how you know you gain respect as a leader. Right. When other opinions and voices are heard. Right. Versus we've all worked for leaders that have every single answer. Right. This is the way we do it. And well, just because they say it is doesn't mean necessarily it is. Right. No, you know, when you when you when you say that, it makes me think of and I could be wrong in saying this, but at least it's my interpretation. It makes me think of why people have such an affinity for Messi over Ronaldo, even though a lot of people love Ronaldo, he's a highly skilled player, but I think of, they, I, when I often hear people talk about Messi, they're like, yeah, he's great on the field, but who he is as a person, he's more of a team player. I think of the example you just described right there, like his mentality towards the game is different than uh, Ronaldo's, at least that's my interpretation. So, so Corey, you know, a, a soccer, a soccer game or football match is 90 minutes, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, in one day, you're going to play 90 minutes, hour and a half. Yeah. But that still leaves 22 and a half hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And, and it's what you do with those other 22 and a half hours that identifies you as an individual of who you really are. It's yeah. not the persona you see on TV scoring goals and, and winning trophies, right. but I think it's the person off the field, right? As you mentioned, right? It's the person off the field that, you know, and we all know individuals and athletes and, and entertainers that will spend, I don't know, an hour signing autographs. Right. We'll spend time after shows speaking right. with individuals and fans. Yeah. And, and I think that's a true representation of who the person is. Right. I think we all look at the 90 minutes of, of Messi and Ronaldo on the TV what they do in the match, but it's what they do after that is the representation of them as a human human being of what their true values are. Right. hundred uh, percent. Now, Ivan, I'm going to end with three rapid fire questions just where I ask you and you have to respond in five seconds or less. First thing that comes to your mind. So the first question here, Ivan, is what is the best book you've ever read or listened to? The best book? Uh I'm listening to it right now. Um, well, part two. So David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. His next book just came out now. I started listening to it yesterday on the plane. Wow. Gosh, you want to change mindset, right? You want to run through a wall? <laughs> Put that on. I'll preface with a little bit of profanity, but yeah. wow. Talk about motivational. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Second rapid fire question. What excites you most about Spotify? What excites me most? I think the, the product evolution and growth. Mm -hmm. uh, we've all been at organizations where things can be somewhat stagnant, right. right? Where organizations will talk about innovation and that just 
the amount of innovation, the speed of innovation. Mm-hmm. And, and many times, and you know, I'll, if I take a, a page out of Jack Dorsey, who was the CEO at Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you know, he would always say, you know, the minute that you're looking in the rear view mirror to see what your competitors are doing, you've lost sight of where you're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I see that happening at Spotify, right? It's like looking forward, this is the roadmap. This is what we're going to do. Less concerned about what the competitors are doing. Right. But like, this is how we're going to continue to build the world's largest audio platform and, and start to, you know, include other products and, and opportunities and, and make it the destination for everything audio you could imagine. Right. I love it. And the last one is, will Canada do better than Croatia in the next World Cup? So I'm going to say yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes, they will. Um, it's going to be on Canadian soil. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time that Canada will be in the World Cup playing at home, mm-hmm. the red and white uh, will be filled to the rafters. And and I will be the first one there singing Oh Canada uh, when they kick off uh, that first match in, in 2026. Yeah. No, amazing. Uh, I know my friends and family are looking forward to it, but I know that I'm probably going to have a better chance getting tickets in the U.S., Versus here, because uh, it's going to be crazy to get tickets. So, so, Corey, let me ask you: We're literally, as I look here at the time, we yeah. are 24 hours away. So, this is going to be timestamp. Okay, if yeah. I can ask you one last question here yeah. on who do you think is going to win the World Cup right now? Okay, um, so we, got, we got Argentina, France. Okay. Odds makers have them at a, at a 50-50, almost coin flip. I, I have my answer. So it's a two-part answer. So one. Who I want to win is Argentina. Who I believe is going to win is France. I would love to see Messi kind of complete his story, have that nice tight bookend. That'd be nice. But I know how sports works out, and it's usually not the case. But that would be nice. So I believe France is going to win, but I want I want Argentina to win. So I'll, I'll echo that. And, and how about we go France wins extra time penalty shootout mm. how's that for drama how's that for drama yeah. yeah that would be that would be a great one i'm looking forward to watching uh, that game uh myself uh but guys this concludes this episode of three questions by Corey kareem uh some of the things i personally took away from this episode is uh be humble uh listen more than you talk which is always a classic one and then ivan you've always stated your mentality when it comes to leadership is I work for you guys. And I think of uh, a very well-known, he was kind of like a motivational speaker uh, in personal development. His name was Jim Rohn. And he said, service to many leads to greatness. So I think of that mentality. And then, of course, you shared the the knowledge that your your father passed down to you about, you know, five fingers are are stronger than one or more useful or productive uh, than one. As many of you guys know, I like to end with, if you want to just impress people you know talk about your wins your accolades your successes yada 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 but if you really want to have an impact on someone else's life talk about your failures your transgressions your tribulations those are the things that really move the needle in someone else's life so with that being said ivan and i are out peace and love until the next time 